21st episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recount Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me, as always, is Roger Entner. How you doing, Roger? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. So uh, T-Mobile just released their Q4 2020 earnings. Uh, we knew they were going to have a pretty strong quarter uh, because they pre-released uh, that they had gotten 1.6 million postpaid net ads. They released all the details today at their quarterly call, and about 824,000 of that 1.6 million was postpaid phones. So pretty good result. Uh, roughly about 51% of those new uh, postpaid lines were phones. Uh, equipment revenue, similar to AT&T, was up uh, pretty significantly, so up 21% quarter over quarter for T-Mobile. Wasn't all rosy. You know, their postpaid churn did creep up a little bit, so they're at 1.03%. That includes the legacy Sprint folks. One of the things they did say on the call is they didn't give a number for their T-Mobile branded churn, but they said it was lowest in the industry. So together with Sprint, it sounds like they're still working on some of those legacy customers churning out. But generally speaking, you know, I think pretty pretty decent quarter. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was a good quarter. They are very successful in shipping their pucks to education and public sector. I think that's what we're seeing here. Last quarter, it was like two-thirds of their postpaid customer growth. This time, it was a little bit under half. I think one thing was was interesting when we look at it with Verizon in mind is both T-Mobile and AT&T did not have their gross ads collapse, which happened at Verizon. And so it's very interesting. The T-Mobile results raise more questions about Verizon than they, than they raise about T-Mobile. The industry churn for, for the T-Mobile branded customers is like, what, 0.77 because AT&T was at 0.78. That gives you probably more like 1.7, 1.8. I'm just, I didn't calculate it out, but like in my head, it gives me like basically the same churn that T-Mobile had before the merger just came back creeping up. And they said on the call that they need, really need to, to focus on that. They pointed out that their team of experts uh, really helped to reduce their churn at T-Mobile and that hadn't been rolled out to Sprint customers yet. So it will be very interesting to see, but a good job on on growing profitability in terms of their adjusted EBITDA, the net profit didn't go up. It, it went down by like a million, but their adjusted EBITDA went went up. So good job there. And, and they grew. But the postpaid phone customers was basically on par uh, a little bit better than, than AT&T. And so if, from that perspective, very, very strong showing for, for AT&T. We have these very high expectations for T-Mobile, right? And we expect them to get stronger. It will be it will be interesting to see how much they will actually do that here. Yeah, I think one of the things that was interesting, they talked about it last quarter, they talked about it again this quarter. Uh, they talked a lot about a muted switching environment, right? So the idea yeah. that once once things kind of ease up after COVID, they expect things to pick up, particularly from a gross ads perspective, even though you know they're, they're doing pretty well. We yeah. show that not, not everybody's reported yet, but across the big three, 
you know, our expectation would be that their share of gross ads is going to be somewhere in the, in the mid 30s as opposed to AT&T and Verizon in the mid 20s. Or high 20s, yeah. And T-Mobile, one of their secrets of success is they've always traditionally had a very strong acquisition network with their stores and independent dealers. Now that they have plucked the, the churn hole, you know, the growth comes in. Well, what I thought was also very interesting is prepaid churn stayed under 3% at 2.92, which is very similar to what AT&T saw. Whereas at Verizon, we still see the same pretty high prepaid churn figures at a very modest rate, but still. Track phone is is not in the threes, right, or, or below three. So it will be very interesting of, of what will happen there. Now, I am not so optimistic that gross ads will actually come back like that because we have pretty good networks all around. And and churn is muted. So I think T-Mobile will continue to grow and, and lead the pack. But I don't see suddenly, you know, AT&T and, and Verizon customers throw up their arms in despair and leave. Right. Well, I mean, I think, I think what you're implying here is that it's all a switching game, more or less, right? It's zero sum. So somebody has to be unhappy to walk out the door and then join somebody else yeah. for the most part, unless it's your, you know, giving your your kid a new line or, or buying a tablet or something like that. Generally speaking, most of the new lines coming in in the industry are coming from somebody else. And if the networks are good enough or, or close enough in terms from a parity perspective, then that source of, of nets goes away. Well, what I would say is they still are talking a lot about how, you know, they feel like their network is going to be a huge advantage. We know they have a lot of spectrum assets there that they're working on deploying. I think the big question is, you know, is there a demonstrable difference in terms of, the experience for T-Mobile customers once they do deploy that mid-band 5G, I think it's waiting to be decided. Yeah, I think we have to w- look at it a little bit more in a differentiated way. When you see the market share numbers for T-Mobile in, in say, the top 20 markets versus rural America, in the top 20 markets, they have more than 50% market share, Right. In the biggest in the biggest metropolitan areas, it's massive, and in those markets, the cable guys are also playing and they're taking share. Where T-Mobile is underrepresented is in the rural one third of the country, where traditionally only AT and T, Verizon, and whoever the incumbent local was. And so T-Mobile is coming to town, to rural town, like Walmart, and it's going to beat up everybody else. I think that's where the growth will be coming from. That's why T-Mobile is also talking about this. You know, our target is rural small towns because competition has been the weakest. They haven't gotten around to it yet. And that's, I think, is in their, squarely in their sights. Right. So they already have the spectrum to compete there, right? So they've got their mm-hmm. 600 low band and their mid band spectrum that they can deploy or they're, they've deployed the low band there in the process of deploying that uh, 2.5 gigahertz. They haven't fully built out the retail network. And so that's part of what they talked about in terms of increased costs moving forward is as they build out that store network. You know, we still know that most folks are going into a store to get a new phone. It's, it's online is, is, as a channel is still much smaller than I think uh, most folks would suspect it to be for where we are in, in 2021. 
Yeah, but traditionally it was less than 10%. I would expect it to be much more in the 20% range now. If there was a time for for the digital channels to pick up and win, then it's now, right? And mm-hmm. in a way, we're, we're seeing it with the success of T-Mobile and AT&T and the lack thereof at Verizon that it, at two companies, I think the, the online selling is actually working, right? Because all of them had their, their stores closed in, in December with... You know, at Verizon, 300 stores were closed. AT&T permanently closed 9 million square foot of retail space, right? You only do that, and you can only do that without an impact of your on your gross ads when, when online picks it up, because you will not have more customers being piled into, the, into fewer stores. Yeah, well, I think... Particularly, you know, the iPhone cycle this time around probably played a little bit into that online trend as well, right? If you're getting the new iPhone, you know, you probably already have an iPhone. You probably know you're going to get the next one, right? And so I think there's less of an experience that's necessary where you go in and stick the phone in your pocket, see how big it is, that sort of thing, because you know you want to get an iPhone anyway. So I do think that kind of the, the timing of the iPhone launch and particularly around Q4, probably help with some of the, the counterbalance, some of the COVID stuff there. But I, I agree with you. I think, you know, that there's definitely more online channel in the future. What I would say is, you know, from when I've, when I've seen channel numbers before, when you cut it by different devices, iPhones are always higher in terms of online sales than the other type of device. Yeah. So what was very interesting and is a function of them selling more connected devices is that their ARPU actually went down quarter over quarter. We can't do year over year because that's the standalone T-Mobile, but like quarter over quarter, postpaid ARPU went down 48.55 to 47.86 and prepaid ARPU went down 38.49 to 38.08, right? So here you see a certain share mix of where the, the, the connected devices are coming in. And with prepaid, you know, you see a little bit of competitive pressure. Also, what was interesting is the number of postpaid accounts went up like only by, what, 100,000? So that means that they did a really good job in upselling their existing base, which I thought that they had planned to do. So a couple other things I thought were interesting. They did mention that they've transitioned their 4G home internet pilot to a 5G home internet pilot. So, you know, I know we've talked about it over the last couple quarters in terms of when will they deploy or have a commercially available 5G home internet product. I think it's coming pretty soon here, probably in tandem with that 2.5 gigahertz deployment, right, that that Neville and and company are working on. So I thought it was interesting that 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 wasn't part of the formal announcements, but Mike Siever did mention it in the the Q&A during the call. So, of course, that means much more competition with uh, the local cable guys, right? Once they can become a broadband provider on 5G, now they have T-Vision as well. They can potentially be a credible threat to folks who are uh, working with the cable MSOs. Yeah, but I think here when, when we talk cable MSOs, most of the people are thinking Comcast, Charter, Altice, Cox, right? The big names. And I don't think those are the, the, the target. It's the, it's the smaller rural uh, guys that they will 
go and try to 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 savage. That's I think where where they are going to see their their growth from, because if you are a, a Comcast, especially a charter, right, you have a very competitive cable product with gigabit speeds and a competitive wireless product, much much harder than going after after a small, not well-known cable company that covers 20 or 50 or 100,000 customers. That's where I think is a lot of their, their growth that they're hoping for uh, coming from. And there are a lot of folks that, that do business with those companies across the U.S., right? So exactly. it's a pretty, pretty big target. I know they mentioned when they were talking about smaller markets, they said that their target was 50 million pops in terms of the, what they consider to be smaller markets where they tend to have half of the market share of what they would have in their larger markets. So exactly. It's a, it's a big piece of the pie. But yeah, overall, I thought it was a, a very strong quarter of kind of what we expect from T-Mobile. And I don't expect it to change anytime soon. Well, structurally, I don't think anything has really changed in terms of their customer acquisition strategy, network deployment status, pricing, et cetera. So, It'll be interesting to see what 2021 brings, you know, obviously more deployments across all the carriers, but at least it's in terms of where things stand now, I think they're in a relatively strong position. Yeah, and especially since it looks like that they bought C-band spectrum. Nobody's talking about it yet because we're in the quiet period, but we will see how that spectrum gap that exists between T-Mobile and Verizon and AT&T will, will change. And to a certain extent, any spectrum that was acquired by T-Mobile can't be used by AT&T or, or Verizon. And we know it will be in every phone. All right. Well, that's all we have for time for this week. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Roger. Terrific. Thank you. Thank you.